Hello, and welcome to the Table and Well podcast. I'm Tennyson. And I'm Janelle. Thank you for joining us as we discuss topics and give practical tools that help you live, grow, and be in healthy, joy-filled relationship with God, yourself, and others. For more information and resources, or if you're looking for coaching, connection, and community, please visit tableandwellco.com. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us again today on the Table and Well podcast. Um, This is episode number 70, and we are super excited that you guys are here with us today. Um, As always, please feel free to download and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform. Well, today we have a... uh, a friend of ours on the podcast, and he's going to be um, talking to us. We have a little conversation with him. His name is Jason Twombly, and um, he is someone that we were connected with, that we have been connected with uh, through Luke 10. You know, we've talked about that organization um, quite often on our podcast, and uh, he is, we were in a couple of different groups together, and he actually uh, facilitates one of the groups that we're in. And so, uh, Jason, thank you for being on our show today. Tennyson, it's uh, my joy to spend time with you. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, we're 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 so glad that you're here with us today. So let's just jump right in. I'd love to know for our audience to know a little bit about you. So really, who is Jason Twombly? Yeah, well, um, greetings. I'm tuning in from upstate New York. Um, it's not snowing today, so that's plus. That's good. Uh, yeah, uh, and I am Jason Twombly, and. Um, I am really glad whenever I could spend time with uh, you and Janelle. It's an honor to, to journey with fellow pilgrims, pioneers in some of this uncharted territory yeah. um, we're finding ourselves in. And so my passion is, is really training families how to become vibrant, joy-fueled, and Jesus-led at the intersection of neuroscience and spiritual formation so they can reclaim peace and power in every area of their lives. So in other words, we help create a practical pathway for your nervous system to catch up to your theology. Oh, wow. I love that. Uh, Let's just stop right there for a minute. Hang out there for a second. Like, what do you, when you say that for your, your neural system, your neural system to catch up to your theology, like, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, yeah, as I've been a pastor for years and uh, gave counsel, received counsel, I found that the Western world can easily just uh, tell someone, hey, you have a problem with anxiety. Why don't you memorize Philippians 4, 6, Mm -hmm. right? And don't be anxious about anything. And that person will, okay, that's a great idea, pastor. And they'll they'll wake up Monday morning, their their feet hit the floor, but their body is still arrested and riddled with anxiety, even though there is mental assent to scripture. And so there's that conflict of living between, well, this is true for me, a lowercase t, how do I get to the truth of what the scripture is talking about? And I found uh, the whole idea of neurotheology, the connection of our brains and Mm -hmm. our bodies with the Bible to be that bridge to bring the shalom of God into my actual nervous system so that I actually believe it on a molecular level. Oh, wow. That's, I love that. That's, that's so good. So how, um, even just on that note too, what's your, uh, your briefly, I guess, like your journey to get to that space to where, to where it's like, I understand that this is so important for the body of Christ and so important for just people in general. How did that journey kind of happen for you? 
Well, since since the reimagining of engaging community online, you know, in 2012, mm-hmm. I've truly been able to see some of these things that I've been doing intuitively in my life, mm-hmm. but, but in a more intentional kind of way by me receiving some coaching and some training. And now I'm paying that forward. And I've been able to see healing and transformation come to life as I'm coaching, consulting, and training spiritual moms and dads, pastors, business leaders all over the world in an ecosystem of grace. And so as I'm exploring what it looks like um, to reimagine church, to Mm -hmm. cultivate emotional awareness, um, and and like you and Janelle do and and Taylor and well, Mm -hmm. and really practice these skills for relational maturity, most of my time now is unlearning a lot that I've learned. And so yeah. a lot of my community is just invested in the spiritual development coaching um, that I'm doing, you know, up to uh, as, as many hours as I can. Um, but it, it's kind of like I'm doing some martial arts now. And for the okay. first time in my life, mm-hmm. I'm just doing for about a month. I'm relearning how to engage with my body and my nervous system in a lot of ways. And I feel like that almost like nothing in the first half of my life has been as rewarding as living out mm. the second half of my life. Oh, wow. So second half of life, I've, I've heard that. I think um, Richard Rohr wrote a book about that. There's a different people that talk about that. But when you say that, what does that mean for you? Like, what do you mean when you say second half of life? What is that? Yeah. How does it resonate with you? Yeah, it, it's it's a term that's really brought some explanatory power to what's been going on in my uh, 47 years. So the second half of life isn't necessarily a biological number. I like to say that aging is inevitable. Maturity is optional. Mm. Mm. It's that place where you cross that threshold of the superficial into the significant. Mm. You discover what really matters in life. And for me, it's been more about, as I mentioned, unlearning habits and perspectives and learning new skills and practices. So the second half of life, it's it's less about ego and more about the essence of who we really are. Mm -hmm. Less defending, less blaming, less denying, fewer addictions and attachments. The cloak of the false self, even in Christianity, Mm -hmm. that we've woven of who we thought we were. Yeah, supposed to be is transfigured by the light of love into our true authentic selves. And there's, there's great freedom there. Um, there's a poet, Octavio Paz, who described the second half of life this way. He said, with great difficulty advancing by millimeters each year, I carve a road out of the rock. For millenniums, my teeth have wasted and my nails broken to get there to the other side, to the light in the open air. And now that my hands bleed and my teeth tremble, unsure in a cavity cracked by thirst and dust, I pause and contemplate my work. I've spent the second part of my life breaking the stones, drilling the walls, smashing the doors, removing the obstacles I placed between the light and myself in the first part of my life. Mm. That's really deep. And that's really good because we do that. We, we spend the first half of our life. It's very much all about, and it's, and it's not a negative thing per se, but it's about, it's about me. Like, how do I become this? How do I get to this point? How do I do this? And then a lot of times when we reach that point where we call the second half of life, we realize that 
all of that stuff was great, but it's really not the most important thing. And so we have to go back and smash down all those things that we have, you know, thought we knew or thought we learned because we realized that it's more than about myself. It's about how do I take who I am and what I have and give it away to other people. And so sometimes you do, you're right. You have to go back and I love the part with millimeters every year. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, millimeters every year, but it's that go back and, and smash those rocks because I've got to give away these things that I've been learning. Like the thought, the things that I thought that I knew, the things that I thought that were important are not important anymore. And so I've got to do something different. I think that's, I love that. That's really good. Um, you made a statement a little earlier that it kind of, it, it caught my attention and we talk about this too sometimes, but that false self, it's like you, you, you mentioned, you know, um, and it's that self that we show to the world and like, how do you go back in? What, what's the process in that of, of re, like you said, it's that re not reimagining, but the redefining of who we are. It's like, that's that false self. What, what are some of those things that we have to, possibly do to really get to the core of our true self that we have put on this facade of our false self for so long? Well, that's a great question. I think part of it is, is a awakening to the reality that um, there's, there's more in my levels of maturity that I've been missing. Mm-hmm. And once we become awakened to that, we start to become aware of that, which we haven't been aware about. And then we need to learn the, the different skills of saying, hey, wow, this needs changing on the inside so that I could change my world on the outside. So let me move into my authentic self by uh, attunement. And I have to learn the yeah. skill of self-attunement. That's looking into the hood of our lives in a, the most gentle, compassionate, and wise kind of way mm-hmm. with curiosity and without any judgment or harsh criticism. And so we learn tools like that in order to become our authentic selves. And then you mix in joy as a resiliency mm-hmm. to help process. Yeah. Um, one, of my, one of my mentors puts grace this way. He says, grace is the empowering presence of God to become that man or woman that God sees when he looks at you. Mm. And once we align ourselves to his perspective of us, it's his grace that will really bring us um, into those levels of maturity to look like Jesus. Yeah. I love that. That's really good. It's really, really good. Um, yeah. I, I was just... I'm also here just thinking too, just thinking back to your last, the answer to the, the question about just about um, second half of life for you. So what, what, was there any kind of moment or something that happened or the, the kind of the, the, the point on the map that launched you into this second half of life? What was, what would that look like? Ah, well, reflecting back, I really love that, that question because um as far as I can remember, I've been in a relationship with Jesus um, since I was a little, little guy. And I've been living on fire for him. It found mm-hmm. as a missionary straight out of high school. I've lived in Siberia. I've smuggled Bibles into China, uh, turning training centers for Lenin into training centers for the Lord in Ukraine, oh, wow. in Russia. I, I've pioneered and pastored and preached and prayed. I've baptized. I've buried. I've tasted beauty. And I've sat in ashes. But mm-hmm. for me, the dark night of the soul visited me 10 years ago. Wow. I buried my wife. Mm. And Sorry. For- the, thank you. Um, yeah. it's, it's been 10 years um, next, next month. 
Oh wow! And uh, at that time, the church I was pa- the church I was pastoring uh, let me go. Mm. And so now life life is already hard. Yeah. As we know. But for me, there's there's several things. In fact, four things that will make life even harder, and and that's a hard heart, mm-hmm. refusing to grow, not letting go, and not loving yourself. Mm. And I'm no stranger to pain, tennis, and deep pain. And I know what it's like to want to avoid that pain. Life is hard. I get it. I, I understand. Yeah. I've been through the crucible of agony, but I've found that wherever the serpent has bitten me, I now have authority to heal others and to yeah. give away some of the things that we mentioned in the second half of life. But mm-hmm. what worked for me in the first half of life was not going to get me to the freedom and healing I needed. So I felt betrayed by my church. Yeah. Uh, if, if I didn't love my perceived quote unquote enemies, my heart would still be hard today. Mm. I desperately needed to learn new skills of attunement, emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. But if I refused to grow because I knew it all as a pastor, I would have arrested my development. Mm. So my wife, she was poisoned in the hospital. That's a whole nother story. Yeah. But if I didn't let go of that anger and rage, I too would have been poisoned to this day. And if I would have continued just to buck up, and, and serve the Lord out of duty instead of delight and mm-hmm. pour out my soul and love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love Just, others and, 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 and not care for myself, not love myself. Yeah. Seriously bypassing the emotional chaos within me. You know, I just, if I would have just ser- showed up and just served with a smile because that's what Christians do, I would have snapped. Yeah. And yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't stay in the primacy of my intellect you know, living from my head or operating from the 10,000 books that I've owned, I had to go deeper. Yeah. I had to live from my heart. And this is what I show men to do. A yeah. lot of men that I work with, they don't even have, they don't even know how to access their inner landscape, the place of the heart. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, the poet Yates, he said, men need reckless courage to descend into the abyss of himself. And so it takes skill, intention, grace, and wisdom to be that man of the heart. And that's why I've created a coaching program called Man Cave. And okay. Man Cave helps others transform their pain into power, their hurt into healing, and their wounds into wisdom. I love that. Um, I want to know why you call it Man Cave. But before we answer that question, you made a statement um, right right during this answer that I did. I wrote it down. It caught my, it just, it grabbed me because we, we do this so often. I want to just maybe sit here a little bit and just see just kind of what happens here. Like you, you said, if you didn't acknowledge the pain, like if you just went and did the thing, I wrote down, do the thing kind of like, you know, just love. Well, like you said, just pull up your bootstraps and just like, let's just go do it because we're taught that so much. And like, I was, I've been a pastor myself and that's like, I can remember preaching that, you know, it's like, you just, do the thing like your feelings don't really you know, ignore, not ignore your feelings, but they can deceive you. So like, be careful with the feelings, but just go do the thing and just keep going, keep going, keep going. Like what happens? And I'm sure it within man cave and I'm sure the men that you've worked with, like what, what have you seen from people that just keep doing the thing? They just keep going forward and they don't acknowledge what's actually happening inside. And they're just, moving forward without any, any knowledge or any uh, insight on themselves. What, what, what happens? How has that affected people? Uh, well, the short version is that 
whatever, whatever you bury rules you. Mm. And unless you learn the skills, how to transform your pain into power, you will transmit it onto those closest to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there could, there's so many things that could happen from that. There's, yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. Loss of jobs, could be loss of marriage, could be loss of relationships, just different things that if you don't take the time to deal with what's happening on the inside of you, then you think you said, like you said, you, what you bury rules you, you think you've got it covered and it's buried, but it always comes out. It, it always comes out. It always comes out. And that's why I, I, I created uh, and called it man cave because mm-hmm. man cave is the way that I was led by the Holy spirit um, to rebuild my interior world after those things happened because um, there was nowhere for me to go. You know, Mm. I was a a widower with three young kids and I had uh, responsibilities of, of um, all kinds vocationally and being a good dad. And so I couldn't go anywhere. um, But I had to spend time in developing the man cave of my heart. So man man caves are, are retreats, man caves. Okay. males or our getaways and man caves are our places of rest. And we all need to retreat from the people around us that, that we want to find respite from the tasks on top of us. And this isn't even necessarily in a time of trauma. This is just regular life. Yeah. Yeah. Month, morning. And we want, um, we want, we want to resort from the burdens within, within us. And so retreat and recreation are good. They're important to do. Mm-hmm. But even then, sometimes we run into someone there who are ourselves. Yeah, right. Yeah. Know they are. And so in our heads, we can still hear the echoes of nagging voices, mm-hmm. family fights, workplace troubles. And worse yet, for some of us, it's the voice of the inner critic that's always reminding us or mm-hmm. shaming us. You mm-hmm. aren't good enough. You're a fraud. You'll be found out. Yeah. Things like you don't have what it takes to be the dad, husband, or professional yet. Uh, that you want to be. And so to our man caves, we go. And so either these voices that we're hearing, uh, we'll either deal with them or deny them or demonize them. Mm. uh, But like I said, whatever we end up burying will always resurface. And sometimes we think we're good when we just cover up our pain with addiction or Mm -hmm. whatever. Always leak out, if not explode. It's like like trying to keep a beach ball under the surface of the water. And undealt pain will show up in your body, your mind, your relationships, and they always will. And until we can learn how to transform that pain into power, we will transmit it onto those people closest to us. Yeah. Uh, or we can continue to do what we've been doing. But the problem is whatever you bury rules you. And we might be able to get by in life with our charm, our wit, and external successes. Mm-hmm. But if we invest more time to our outer world than our inner world, it's only a matter of decades before the wheels start to come off. And yep. everyone around you also witnesses that what you've buried rules you. Yeah. Does it really matter? Does it make, does it really make a difference if I do this inner work of the heart or, or not? You know, can I outsource it? Can I delegate it or just read the cliff note version? The truth is, unless you do the inner work, of transforming mm-hmm. pain into peace and power. Yeah. We'll transmit it. So these man caves are good. They're essential, but more important than a fishing spot or hunting, 
Uh, more important than a workout, more important than your annual vacation is this man cave within. And so, and that really means the place within your chest, your heart, mm. your soul, your mind, yeah. it's an internal landscape of you. And yeah. most men, they've been taught to wear armor to protect themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. From truly being seen, from truly being known, from expressing or fully feeling their feelings. Mm-hmm. And what happens is this cage around the heart not only keeps people out, but it keeps us in a stage of arrested development. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You've made a statement a couple of times or or a phrase you've said a couple of times that I'm really interested that to explore that a little bit more um, here, just for just a minute, we'll see what happens here, but the pain into power or pain into peace and power, like what, what does that look like when, when you say that, what do you mean by that? I, the men that I'm, I'm working with um, typically are losing more power and peace and perspective. Um, for instance, they're, they're not taught how to let go of mm-hmm. grudges, of grief. I call it man grief, um, mm-hmm. of gripes, whatever it is. And so the energy that they're placing and gripping their hands, they're losing power to keep open hands to receive the real strength that comes from, from joy, mm-hmm. from peace and and through practices that i train men um, Mm -hmm. through meditation through breath work whatever it may be it gets us uh, you know i like to say that the brain thinks but and the heart knows Mm -hmm. and so beneath the frenetic story loop of our mind into the place where god dwells spirit to spirit it really takes a, a coach or people just to bring you into the depths to really commune with the spirit there so that no matter where you go, you can really come to silence, stillness, solitude, and serenity where all of the power, peace, and wisdom and the inheritance that is yours is already there. Oh, man. I love that. I love that. Thank you for that. That's really good. Really good. Um, so as you're moving into not moving into as you've been doing man cave. Well, first, how long have you been doing man cave? How long has that been something that you've been working with and doing? That's a great question. Um, I've been, I've I've been running local fight clubs. I can't tell you. Okay. Yep. They, uh, they were local and then the pandemic hit and then mm-hmm. I extended my reach and my impact internationally. So that's, I've turned man cave just about the past year um, into okay. this. Um, spiritual development coaching practice. So it's, love- it's, um, it's been uh, 47 years in the making and just, yeah. <laughs> I understand that. Oh yeah. I do that. Yep. Same way. Table and world's been 45 years in the making and it's just now, yeah, just not coming out. It's been great. So in that, so you've been, so really, you know, we'll say globally, it's been publicized out there for about a year ish, maybe a year and a half from what yeah. it sounds like. So, Moving into this into this season, into this year, we're in 2022. What does what do you sense like the invitation is from God in this season moving forward? That's, that's a that's a great question. Uh, for me, spiritual work is about a homecoming. Okay. It's about the welcome home. And men are starving from deep father hunger. Mm. And it's yeah. only mature elders show up and show them how to take the words of Jesus to heart. When he said, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. And so mm-hmm. 
spiritual work I'm finding over the years is about the return home. And men need to hear the good news that they don't have to run or rebel any longer. They're welcomed home. Uh, first and foremost, it's a return to the father. But there's more of an inheritance available if someone shows them how. How to be a, a, a winsome and wise warrior. Uh, the prodigal son returned not only to the father, but Luke tells us he also returned to his senses. Mm -hmm. And so men can learn how to live from the heart that Jesus gave them and also learn to live above their testosterone levels and <laughs> above their amygdala. And so mm. the real work of discipleship is to learn how to live incarnationally uh, in this body that we've been given. So how do we move from loving the idea of who Jesus is and love him in truth? Because it's one thing in the circles I've been around for years, it's one thing to talk about what he said, but how do we practice his presence in our temples? So to be a man, and, and, and it's, it's interesting, it's just you and I here today, but to be a man, we've got to look at the incarnation. Because yeah. I, I believe it takes God to become a man. Mm -hmm. And the incarnation of Jesus is, is what it looks like for a man to be incarnate, literally meaning how to live in these bodies of ours amidst all of the beauty and the brokenness of life, how to yeah. live an integrated, whole-brained and full-hearted life. Because mm -hmm. Jesus is the King whose mm -hmm. grounded presence transformed those around him. Jesus is the sage whose cageless, liberating wisdom also set caged men free. Jesus mm -hmm. is the warrior whose emotional agility shows us how to be tough and when to be tender. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is the lover who's yearning for connection, made, inno made innocence an invitation towards intimacy. And so many of the men that I've worked with, or they're running, even today, if they're even hearing the sound of our conversation, yeah. they're running from their lives, they're running from their thoughts, they're running from their feelings, mm -hmm. they're running from their pain. But there's an invitation to stop running and to come home. Because yeah. to run away from our heart is to run away from our healing. Mm. To run away from our father is to run away from freedom. To run away from your heart is to run away from your home. And so we as the body of Christ, we have this invitation toward a, a uh, majestic maturity in this hour, I believe. And once we've learned that Jesus is glad to be with us, no matter what, yeah. no matter where we are or what we've done or how far we need to go, it's living under the glow of a smile that will make the bride smile radiant in the darkest of night. Yeah. I love that. That's, I think it's, I think it's absolutely amazing that um, just what you're doing and how you're connecting to men on a completely different level. What, what it would remind me of it's um, it's the uh, it's really calling true manhood back into men because for so long, I think we have been as men, you know, we're, we're taught that we're supposed to be a certain way, which usually is void of feeling. Usually it's void of right. love, void of connection, void of anything sensitive or intimate, or it's just, it's always, not always, but the, the prevailing teaching is you just go and you, you, you kill something and you bring it home and you conquer and you, you know, all of that. And so, but listening to you and even things that I even believe myself is that's not the type of men that the Lord has called us to be mm. at all. Um, 
And so I think it's also very interesting because I, we know this to be true as well, is that men, only men can call boys into manhood. Okay. And so we have to, we have to have men to do that. Have to. Absolutely. Man, Jason, I thank you very much. So how, so let's say I've got, there's some people out there listening and they're like, man, I really want to like jump into this man cave thing. How do I, how do I do that? How do I do this? So how would someone connect with you that's listening that says, Hey, this is, I think this is for me. This is what I want to start to look into. How do we do that? Yeah, for sure. Well, I'd like to invite anyone um, that this message resonates with to train with me. And, and why does training matter? You might even ask. Well, training matters because maturity matters. Mm-hmm. If you, you can't lead yourself well. How can you lead others? And so whether it's coaching or consulting, learning to live from the heart is what matters. And so finding a community where there's connection and consistency um, is paramount. And so currently I'm a trainer with Luke 10. Mm-hmm. You can find us at lk10.com. And there I've been honored to be a part of building joyful communities of practice with Jesus, uh, easily within reach of everyone on the planet. Um, but additionally, I've also created a space online called the Take Heart Community. So yeah. you can find me on the socials, uh, maybe in the show notes, you might want to jot down the, uh, the address there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there we build uh, and strengthen the muscles of our emotional intelligence relational connection and levels of maturity so we can truly become these vibrant and joy-filled families of Jesus. And I think it's time for men to stop not only ghosting the people around them, but even ghosting themselves by living this disembodied life. And so I'd love to, to help anyone build a vibrant family of Jesus in your home, church, or business and show you simple, reproducible, and transferable skills to uh, nurture you know, that expression of the kingdom. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jason, thank you very much, man. Thank you for being here and um, look forward to our next conversation. And uh, is there anything else that you would want the people to know or to hear before we sign off today? Yeah. You know what, as I was um, reflecting on the invitation that's, um, that is really echoing with people's hearts. I'm writing a book called Jesus Comforts, and there's a portion that I share with men called Welcome Home. Mm. And I'll share that with you here, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is written like in the um, perspective of Jesus calling, so it's from his perspective. Okay. And it's called Welcome Home. Jesus is both the place and the path of the Father. In me dwells the Father, says the Son. For this is why I've come to show the Father. For centuries, the place of my presence was the temple where heaven and earth met. Now, one greater than the temple has come. Where sin ruptured earth from heaven, where rebellion had booted you from the garden, where the snake slithered slithered into the Jewish temple, now a path has been made back to God. In me, righteousness and peace have kissed the hearts of the homeless, by the man who left his home so that you would have one. Longing for home, longing to be understood, longing to be accepted, longing to be whole, and longing to be hugged are the cries of every human heart. There remains for all a sense of homesickness and heartache for all things to be put right. Once cast east of Eden, All have been achingly wandering from home, hearts splintered, 
with the shards of loneliness and seclusion, long to be healed in the balm of belonging to one another. In a world so broken and beautiful, seeking to be your own lords and masters to prepare your own paths back to bliss and rebuild Eden only ends in broken blocks and false Edens. When your home is overtaken by the storm of disappointment, the house built on the sand smashes as glass upon the rock. The pangs for a place in this world are like the shards of glass lodged in the deepest, most hidden recesses of your hearts and minds. The only place that quiets the restless wanderlust is a person who is your home. I am your forever dwelling place, even for all generations. There's only one who could build you and usher you home. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Troubled hearts are now beckoned to lay their weary heads upon the home and heart of heaven and to take off their shoes to walk with me with healed hearts and happy feet in the gladsome garden of home goodness. Hear the call this day for weary travelers to be welcome, to be welcomed home. You've been listening to the Table and Well podcast. New episodes stream every Tuesday. To begin your journey to relational health, go to tableandwellco.com forward slash community 101. Again, that's tableandwellco.com forward slash community 101.